And we're going to continue our theme. All this year, we've been talking about how we're going to love like God loves. And we're going to love what God loves. And this particular series we entitled, I Love God's Promises. How many of you here today have a promise? Come on, everybody, wave your hand at me. I want everybody just to wave. I got a promise. Yeah, you remember the old kid song? Maybe you don't remember it. Well, we'll have, we'll have Pastor T sing that someday then. We have promises. Many of you know that I'm a Bonhoeffer fan, and I created the Bonhoeffer Institute in order to help pastors and Christian leaders engage culture and governmental arenas better. But Bonhoeffer grew up in a time. Now, everybody, everybody lock in real quick. I, I want everyone to say this. Say, I am smart. Pastor does not have to speak down to me. Because I can understand in Jesus' name. Okay. We are smart people. And we're going to learn his word. And, and I may tell a story that, that, that will not shoot over your head. But there was this guy by the name of Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a German pastor. And this German pastor was trained in the schools of Germany in the 1920s and the 1930s. And in those days... German Bible college seminary teachers believed that to best understand the Bible that you had to sort of create the German word for it was Mitte. That was the German word. That word means center. Center. They believed that the Bible had a center to it. Now, they debated as to what the center would be. Now, some of us would say, well, yeah, the center is Jesus, and that's true. But within Jesus, they, they would use these concepts, and some of the concepts they would use to center things in, uh, as, and they would use a word in order to find the center. One of the words one guy used was the word kingdom. They said that the center of the Bible was kingdom and that God was wanting to establish his kingdom. And so that was the center. That was the mitah. Some would use the word covenant that god was wanting to make covenant with his people and that was the centering point the word covenant others uh, used the term communion that he wanted a relationship with us and they used the word communion now all of these things are biblical words aren't they the, the bible teaches us about kingdom the bible teaches us about having a relationship with god or to, or to be able to commune with god the bible speaks about a covenant that we're in connection with god in in these these ways but there was one word that they came out with that that i have always gravitated to if someone were to ask me what the mitta was the center was and it's the word promise that from the garden of eden to the book of the revelation that god and his work revolves around the concept of promise that he's trying to get a promise to his people. He's trying to fulfill a promise in his people. Now, don't just hear that now in, in, a, in a Bible college -y kind of way. Hear that in a very personal way. God has a promise that he's trying to get to you. God has a promise that he has for you. God is trying to unlock a future and a destiny and a plan and a program 
that he has just for you, and it's a promise for you. And this is why it is called good news, because Jesus died in order that the wrath of God could be satisfied. We'd learned this last week. He died that the wrath of God would be satisfied. He died as a substitute so that we would not have to die in our sins. He died in order that we might see the great sacrificial love that he had for each one of us. He died in order that this world not be in anarchy or chaos. We learned all of this last week, but hear me when I say this. He died in order that the enemy could not steal your promise. He came to give you life and that more abundantly. Following God is better than following anything else. And sometimes we lose sight of that in the midst of the sacrifice and the challenge and the spiritual warfare and and just the junk that gets thrown our way as believers. Sometimes we tend to forget that God has a promise for us and the Bible is filled with stories about people trying to get them to their promise. In fact, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, how many of you have ever heard this verse? It says, for all the promises of God are yes and amen in him i read that passage a lot some of you may remember you remember when i preached years ago some of you were with me i talked about the spirit of yes and everybody got a pin that had yes on it because all the promises of god are yes and amen it's not no and skip you it's yes and amen. And interestingly, at the end of that verse in, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, he says, he goes on to say, and I don't have it in front of me and I didn't post it overhead either. But it's interesting that he says that he gave us the Holy Spirit as a down payment or as a guarantee that whatever promise he spoke to you, he will perform it because the Holy Spirit is in you bearing witness to the fact that God cannot lie, but that he is true. And hear me when I say this, there are days I'm 57 years old, and I realize in, by today's standards that not, that's not old. Now to some of you in here, that sounds really old. To some of you, you're saying, I wish I could be 57 again. But for me, I feel like it's, I'm aging. But he, and I feel like time's getting away from me. And it's easy when you reach this point where you say to yourself, well, you know, maybe, maybe I just misread God or maybe, maybe I didn't hear God right or maybe, you know, God, you know, got busy. I don't hate him. I'm not, not going to serve him. I, he's still Lord. But there's just that sometimes you say, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to kind of bring my expectations back to reality again. Hear me when I say this. The Lord had to deal with me on this point. He's saying that that may be what you think, but that's not how I operate. Just go ask Abraham and Sarah. Whose bodies were dead, which meant they could no longer procreate. And, and they had a promise about bringing forth a child, but their bodies were dead. And, 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 and they couldn't believe it, really. It, it took everything that they, they had in them. In fact, there was a point of doubt because, because Hagar wouldn't have got in the mix there and Ishmael wouldn't have come to pass had it not been for the fact that they were thinking they had to help God along here a little bit. Exactly. The prophetic word was important, believe me, because I was this, that prophetic word was stirring just something real similar in me as you were sharing that. So that was, that was perfectly on target. 
But hear me when I'm saying that there are times we feel this way and God is looking at you and me right now and he says, though it look to be dead, yet it shall live. That's what resurrection is all about. And and the key to it again is that he has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment or as a guarantee for that promise to come to pass. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is crucial to what the Lord is wanting to do, I think, in our church. Now, Legacy is a spirit-empowered church. I'm going to tell you a couple things. I used to use the term uh, full gospel. I used to use the term Pentecostal. I've even used the term charismatic. Some of you may or may not know what those words mean. But hear me when I say this. I am wiping the slate clean. I'm changing my vocabulary And I'm just going to stay straight up. This is how I'm going to call us. We are a spirit-filled or we are a spirit-empowered church. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Right now, right here, today, and forever. And the Holy Spirit is one of those promises that Jesus made to his disciples that they were going to have to know and understand. Now, I'm going to read to you three select portions of Scripture. Can you stick with me? And can we? Listen, (laughs) we had great worship, by the way, today. Good job, good job, good job. Everybody, good job. Where's Deborah? She's Deborah's serving some more. So tell Deborah, Andrew, good job. Everybody did a great job. But here we are together, and we need to hear the word of the lord so i need you to zero in with me there's going to be three select passages i want to read in three successive chapters in the book of john starting in john 14 i'm going to read something in 14 chapter 15 and chapter 16 i don't usually read this much scripture but you are a smart bunch aren't you because you said you were so john 14 16 we read Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everyone say helper. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now there's some important things being said here. He says, I'm going to send you a helper, and the world isn't going to get this because it can't see him. It can't receive him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be where? In you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. All right. Jump over to chapter 15, verse 26. We read, but when the helper comes, everyone say helper. Whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. That's what Jesus says. So when his helper shows up, he's he's going to tell you things about Jesus. Jump over to chapter 16, beginning with verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Is that not a remarkable thing Jesus just said? 
Jesus just looked at his disciples and this guy who fed 5,000 with, uh, you know, just a hamburger. Happy meal, yeah. Think about this. All the things, he healed people, he, he drove out devils. I mean, think of all that he did for the people and he says, I'm going to tell you, it's to your advantage now that I leave. How can that even be true? He tells us, for if I do not go away, the helper, everyone say helper again, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The helper. Now, I've called the message, I should have probably entitled it the helper, but I called it the advocate. And I'll tell you why here in just a moment. The advocate. Now, here in the Gospel of John, it's, inter- it's an interesting gospel because most of the Gospel of John centers on the last days of Jesus' life and all the words that he leaves his followers. And it's interesting that in these three particular chapters, he wants them to understand that despite the difficult moments which were just around the corner, they were going to get some help. In fact, Jesus said, and we repeated it, that he was going to leave them a helper. Now, some of your Bibles may use the word comforter or the word counselor. Now, again, you don't have to have a Bible college degree to make the connection that this helper is referring to the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't take a lot of revelation to realize that the Holy Spirit comes to us and he gives us help. But what we may not grasp is the significance of that help. You know, when Trace and I were moving back here to South Carolina, uh, there was only so much by way of moving that I could do by myself. I mean, most of you, I suspect, at some time in your life have moved, and you can probably do a lot of things yourself. But is there not always a piece or two of furniture in your household that no matter how strong you are or no matter, you know, how good you may be, sometimes it doesn't even matter if you have the right hand truck which have the straps on it that you can strap down and you know pull it back and leverage it and move it. Because I can move a lot of things. If you give me a hand truck, believe it or not, pastor can move a lot of things. But there's always a couple pieces of furniture that even with a hand truck, you can't do by yourself. In fact, sometimes there are pieces of furniture that may not be that heavy, but because they're in, in, on a second floor, you just you can't get around it and get it down the stairs without crashing. I had a friend in college who was in a third-story apartment building, and he was a pretty notable, fairly notable piano player for the singing groups at the college, and he wanted to get his piano. He just got married, and he wanted to get his piano upstairs to his third-story apartment. And, and so he contacted a few of his friends to come over, And it was an upright piano. Now, if you know anything about pianos, upright pianos are like, they they are like the pianos from hell. 
They are the heaviest and the hardest to pick up because you just you can't get around the thing. I mean, you, you and so we're all in our early 20s and he wants to take it up three flights of stairs. And so he invites some friends over to do it. Now, listen to me. He did not invite piano movers. He invited piano players to come help him move. These guys could, I'm just, I'm sorry. These guys just were not meant to pick things up. And there were four of us. And honestly, that was probably when I hurt my back, was trying to get that piano. And we eventually got that piano up those three floors to his apartment. And I looked at him and said, dude, you're you're either here for a lifetime or you're going to have to get a crane to come take it out of of yeah of your balcony because i ain't moving this thing again for you don't even think of calling me how many of you know you need help sometimes everyone say help i need help sometimes there are things you're going to face in life that you cannot fix yourself you need help you may not think you need help maybe you can move most of your life like a house by yourself you don't need anybody to come over you don't need anybody you can you can get your 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 hand truck of life and you can move but i'm going to tell you something there's going to be a moment you're going to have something at a different level you're going to have something of a different weight and you're going to have to get some divine help in your life and that's where the holy spirit most particularly comes in Jesus knew there was going to be some time as a disciple that life was going to be beyond their ability to deal with it. Something they were going to face was beyond their natural abilities. They're going to need a helper. How many of you know we need a helper? We're at a point that, that I'm not smart enough. You're not smart enough. We're just not smart enough. We just might as well fall on the altars of God and say, help, send us a helper. The disciples knew they were going to need a helper. And Jesus says, I'm going to send you one. (laughs) That's the good news. He's going to send us one. Now, he uses the word. And the reason I'm so glad you're such a smart bunch is because I can give you a word like the one I'm going to put on the screen, parakletos. Put that on the screen. Everybody needs to know a little Greek in their life, parakletos. That's the word for helper. If you want to know what the word for helper in the original language, when Jesus looked at his disciples and he says, it's to your advantage that I'm going away, I'm going to send you a parakletos. That's what Jesus literally said to them. Some of you called it just paraclete. Look at what it says a parakletos is. It's, it's hard to translate. They use the word helper, but this is really what it means. It means an advocate, an intercessor, or a legal assistant. Uh, the noun use of adjective meeting means literally to call to one's aid. Uh, kletos actually means, parakletos is actually, but kaleo is the word for called. Para means around. And so literally the word is jammed together, meaning the one, the one that is called around you. Called to one's aid. Some have said to comfort, to counsel, or to console. One who pleads another's case before a judge. A pleader. A counsel for the defense. A legal assistant. An advocate. One who pleads another's cause with one. Or an intercessor. Now that's a lot, isn't it, for one word. 
You see, he just couldn't, you just, when he said parakletos, what he was saying at this particular point was, I'm going to send you somebody that is going to be everything you're ever going to need in every situation you're ever going to be in. I'm going to send you one like this, and he is going to be it. He is not just going to be around you, he's going to be in you. Whether you're in a courtroom, or whether you're in your business, or whether you're an employee or an employer, whether you're at school, whether you're in the military, whether you're in America, or any other country i'm going to send you one that is going to be all you're going to need have you ever heard an old saying in the law profession that a person who represents himself has a fool for an attorney that's what jesus really is saying because one of the definitions is an advocate literally a legal attorney jesus says you're gonna you're gonna need somebody to help you because you're going to be in a situation that if you try to do it yourself you're a fool it's interesting aw tozier once said that if the holy spirit were to leave the church that 95 percent of what we are currently doing would we, we would continue to do without interruption the church has it figured out most of us have it figured out the reason the American church is in the state it's in is because we have ceased to be connected to the advocate, to our helper. And there will be and is a supernatural dimension to the apprehension of the promises of God. Listen, you have a promise in God, but you aren't going to get your promise without a helper. I, 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 I don't care, Pastor Brad. I, you're a smart guy, too. And I'd like to think I'm a smart guy. But as smart a person as we may think we are, we'll never get our promise without a helper. You'll never get your promise without your helper. You will never have enough money. You'll never have enough plans. You'll never be sharp enough, wise enough, smart enough. It takes a while to get here. Basically, if you're me, you lose a lot until you finally wake up again to what you've known really all along, and that is this, that the only way you're going to get to a promise is when the helper shows up. And when the helper shows up, he will be more than enough. Now, I don't know about you, but I was trained with little emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit. In the church that I grew up in, the Holy Spirit was like an afterthought. He was like, well, yeah, yeah, we believe in the Holy Spirit because we sing songs, you know, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning. Anyway, I won't sing that for you because... I don't want to eclipse Anna's singing and make her feel bad by my solo. <laughs> but, but we didn't pay any attention to the Holy Spirit. We knew a lot about God the Father, and we knew a lot about Jesus. But we never talked much about the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit and, and distinguish the functions of the Godhead. I want you to look at this. I'm going to go through this really, really quick. We believe in the Trinity. So, Chris, go ahead and put all of that up there, just the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If we can get them all up there at the same time, thank you. Now, here's the deal. We believe in the Trinity. The Trinity is very difficult to wrap our brain around because we believe in one God, but there are three different personalities within the Godhead. And these persons, it's, it's almost like water. You know how water is both liquid? It can be liquid, steam, and ice, but it's all water. Well, that's, that's sort of how the Trinity works. You have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but they're all God. 
But within the Godhead, within the Trinity, there is an authority, which, which I'm not going to teach on today. There is an authority within the Godhead, but there's, there's also a job description within the Godhead. For example, and, and again, this is just mine. This doesn't come from anywhere. And, and I'm not doing this precise except to help us understand. For, for example, the Father decides and determines what the will shall be. It's his will. It's the Father's will. He decides. He determines. It's his plan, his purposes. The Son provides and establishes you understand everything that the father wanted to do for his people jesus came and established it by his death burial and resurrection in other words god the father wanted a relationship with you but he sent his son in order to provide the means by which that relationship could exist so there's provision in jesus he provides redemption he provides healing he provides deliverance he's provision But the Holy Spirit is the part sometimes we overlook. He is the one who applies and appropriates. In other words, let's say you have need of healing. Well, we know it's the Father's will that you be healed. We know that Jesus provided the atonement we learned last week by which healing is made available to you. He secured healing, but how does healing get to you? Aha, the helper. The helper is the one who moves in the Father's will, takes of the Son's provision, and he comes and he applies it into your life. Hear me, you would be forever sick were it not for the Holy Spirit. You would be forever lost were it not for the Holy Spirit. You would forever, you would forever be, be stumbling, bumbling around in darkness if it were not for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you hope. The Holy Spirit gives you joy. The Holy Spirit gives you peace. It doesn't mean that the Father doesn't want that for you or that Jesus hasn't provided it. They're certainly involved in all of that. But the Holy Spirit is the one who comes and he gives that to you. He appropriates that to you. Now hear me. That's why he's the helper. That's why Jesus says it's to your advantage. Jesus looked at his disciples, and this is what he was saying. He was saying, he was saying, Brad, he said, if you were there, let's say you were there with Jesus. Let's just, I mean, this is terrible illustration, but let's say you're a disciple and I'm Jesus. Jesus is looking and saying, I'm not going to get to lay hands on you anymore. I'm not going to get to hold your hand or shake your hand or hug your neck or kiss your cheek. I'm not going to be able to grab your lunch and multiply it and feed everybody. You know why? Because I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm fixing to die, get buried, to be raised from the dead, and then I'm going to ascend to my father. So it isn't going to happen anymore. And can you imagine the disciples are going, what do you mean? No more buffets with Jesus. Does that mean I'm going to be sick again? Does it mean... All of the things, have we lost everything? We're not going to hear your voice. We're not going to hear your teaching. We're not going to be comforted. We're not going to have peace. We're not going to, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not. And Jesus says, stop. No, no, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because I'm going to send someone who's just like me. He's of the same substance I am. He's of the same divinity i am he carries every ounce of authority i carry he is just like me he's the helper and he shall be with you always that's the work of the holy spirit and he said it would be advantageous now 
I got to go through this really, really fast. But I put five reasons why an advocate is an advantage. Now, I'm going to go through this super fast, so you're going to have to write quick. Amen? Why is having an advocate an advantage? The first one is this. He is essential. He is essential. I have met Christian people on occasion who, when they come in contact with those of us who we would describe as spirit-filled or spirit-empowered, and we believe in all the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit. I'm not ashamed to tell you I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that one can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I believe there is a heavenly spiritual language by which we can speak and pray. And sometimes you'll get around Christians and they'll say, and I've heard them, they've said that to me, this to me before. They've said, well, that's great for you, but that's just not for me. That may be you know, kind of what you're called into, but, but that's just not what I'm called to. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit is like optional baggage, an optional package. You ever buy a, a car, let's say, or a house? If, if you ever buy something like this, they always give you options. You know, do you want the fireplace or do you not want the fireplace? You know, do you want hardwood floor or do you want carpet? And usually your carpet is stage one, two, three, or four. You know, you can have really, really cruddy carpet or you can have the really expensive stuff. Or if you buy a car, you can get it. It's a little different now, but I remember in the day you had to, it, the radio was optional. You know, you'd get, yeah, tow package or you'd get the over top, you know, carrying luggage, cargo package or whatever i mean there are options and there are some people in their christianity they've sort of determined that in their christianity there's this optional baggage and the holy spirit is one of them listen i believe this is true that people are saved i really believe there are saved people that are living lost that are living beneath their privileges because they never did sign up for the optional baggage they think which is the holy spirit the holy spirit really is essential equipment to our life that's where our advantage is jesus said so he says it's an advantage because of this he's going to reveal things that are yet to come in other words i'm going to know things before anyone else he's going to tell me things before he tells anybody else it's my that's to my advantage i'm going to have discernment i'm going to know things beyond just what my eyes see that's an advantage the holy spirit gives me these advantages so he's essential number two is he has expertise the Holy Spirit has expertise. If the Holy Spirit's the Lord, if, if the Holy Spirit's God, how many of you know he's even smarter than we are? <laughs> you may be smart, but you ain't the smartest one in the room here. The Holy Spirit has expertise. He's the expert. It doesn't matter what you do. The Holy Spirit isn't just for pastors in preaching on Sunday. The Holy Spirit is for lawyers in courtrooms, for law enforcement uh, 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 officers out on the street it's for engineers for medical personnel for musicians for artists for scientists for custodians for business owners for employees and for employers listen the holy spirit is the best advantage you can have is this not right as a parent i mean i can't tell you the whole story because i'm running out of time but my wife and i were downstairs when my son was still in high school my oldest son and all of a sudden i'm just telling you from across the room i watch her stand up and all of a sudden she just says she says the holy spirit told me i need to go check on clay now that's even wild for our house 
And she stands up and she goes straight upstairs. And my son is on the phone setting up a rendezvous that if we had not have caught that, it would probably have torpedoed or ruined him for what he's doing right now. He's preaching to thousands of people right now. But I can almost assure you that if that, if that had not been exposed, it could have ruined him for the rest of his life. We're talking 16. He's 31 now. So that was 15 years ago. But listen to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to a mom and said, you need to go check on son. How many of you know that's an advantage in parenting? Some of you with little ones. You need to understand, you need to get the Holy Spirit tight with you because there's going to come a day, I don't care who your kids are, you're going to need some Holy Spirit help. And he'll reveal things to you. He revealed things to me one night at a restaurant with my daughter concerning her phone. I never look at my daughter or any of my children's phones. I never did. I'm not saying that's wise, but I just never have done it. But that night I was sitting at the table and I just saw her. She was just playing around like she always did with her phone. And the Holy Spirit said something to He just said, check her phone. And I said, Kayla, let me see your phone. And all of a sudden, a look came over her face. And it was like, I got you. And I got the phone. And I found some things on that phone that were not good and had to have been dealt with and could have ruined her for a lifetime. Ninth grade. How many of you know that's an advantage? I've got an advantage. Because the helper is helping me parent. He will help you in every arena of life. I got to keep going. Number three, he has energy. Or in other words, he has power. I won't spend too much time here, but Jesus said, when the spirit of God comes, he will endue you with power from another realm. Power, energy. Number four, he'll equip you. God's call, according to 1 Corinthians is that he takes the foolish in order to shame the wise. He takes the weak to shame the strong. He takes the base things and the despised things instead of the mighty or the noble in order to get his work done. Why would he do that? It's because he equips us fools in order that when something happens, people say there's no way he could have done that without some help. He's got a helper. The Holy Spirit qualifies the unqualified and equips the ill-equipped. And then lastly, number five is this. The Holy Spirit encounters. Now, this is our advantage. He encounters us. I just want to tell you, I'm going to tell you real quick, and and, and then I want to pray and and conclude. And I may have told the story before about Tracy's dad being in his mid-70s, and he's coming to the end of his life. And all his life long, you know, he, he had had challenges. He was a music minister most of his life. He was a, a minister, a licensed minister in a denominational church, but he was tormented by devils and demons. He, he found himself in morally compromising situations that caused him to be excluded from the ministry for a portion of time and then was brought back but still had incredible, incredible raging battles in his mind. Most of you know my wife's story. My wife had challenges with her father. And so while he made confession or profession of Jesus, he he was a man that was bound in so many ways. 
But hear me when I say this. He's in his mid-70s, and he's watched us for several decades. And when we first, when I was baptized and my wife was baptized as well with the Holy Spirit, he thought we'd lost our minds. You know, we got baptized into the whole deal. We were baptized, and, and our stories are a little bit different, but the bottom line is that the Holy Spirit came. We, 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 we received the gift of tongues, and we're praying in another language. We were, we were functioning in those circles, and, and my father-in-law thought we had lost our minds. In fact, he'd even said one time that, he, that we were cursed. We were cursed because we'd left the mothership. But, but something inside of us knew we needed a helper. And I remember, and, and this was a number of years ago now, in his mid-70s, he's since passed away, but he called me up and he said, you know, I've been reading, Kevin, here in the book of Acts, I've been reading again about the Holy Spirit in the early church, and I've been watching your life and your children's life, and, and I've come to the conclusion that what you have is real, and I want it. And he said, I tell you what, I, I, I've, I've repented and I've confessed all the sins that I know. I want you to come rebaptize me, and, and, and I want you to lay hands on me and pray, especially that I would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that I would pray and speak in other tongues. I believe now after watching you and reading this for years. This is unbelievable for him to even say this out of his mouth. I said, well, Jim, you're paralyzed from the waist down. You're 350 pounds. And baptizing you is not going to be just something that's easy. So we came up with a plan. We got a plastic chair and we put it in the bathtub. Clayton went up with me. He was with me at the time. And we went up. And I just read a couple passages out of the book of Acts concerning the promise of the helper. We got under his arms, we picked him up, and we were able to walk to the bathroom, and we were able to get his paralyzed legs over the edge of the bathtub to seat him down on this hospital plastic chair. I didn't know how else to baptize him. He's there in his beater, and he's got his, his, just his underwear on. I'm sorry, it's just not a great picture, I'm sure, in your mind. It wasn't, it wasn't being there either, believe me. And uh, we just turned the shower on. And the bathtub started to fill up, and I had a little bucket, and, and I picked the bucket up, and, and all I knew to do was just to pour it over his head because that was the only way we could get him immersed was to pour the bucket over his head. So Clayton and I are in this little dinky bathroom with this 350-pound man on this plastic chair in the middle of a, the bathtub. The shower is blazing. You can't pull the curtain, so you got water going everywhere. And, 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 we're, and we're putting this bucket as we're baptizing him in the name of the Father. And we'll pour another one in the name of the Son. And we do another one in the name of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's just pouring over him. And he's got his hands in the air, which is something you just never saw from him either. His hands were in the air. And I said, okay, Jim, we baptized you now for the remission of sins. And now Clay and I are just going to lay our hands on you. And we're just going to pray that God would baptize you right now in this bathtub with his Holy Spirit. We should have had a movie camera. We, we didn't have these things. I don't know if we had or we didn't use them like that back in those days. And, and so we begin to pray. And Clay and I both begin to pray that the, the helper would come and baptize him with his presence and we began to pray in the spirit and all of a sudden in the middle of that shower that's streaming on this 350 pound man in his beater and underwear in a plastic chair he's got his arms up in the bathroom it's the most amazing sight you could ever imagine he begins to pray in another language that he didn't even believe could happen a week prior 
And God's presence fell into that bathroom and seared that picture into mine and Clay's memories forever. And he st- his hands were up in the air. And I'll never forget, he started crying out saying, It's real! It's real! I know it's real! And he said to think that God would do that for such a wretch. That was the word he used. For such a wretch. And I agree, some of the things he did were wretched. That God would do that for such a wretch as I. God encountered him. The helper encountered him. And he was forever changed. Hey, I know this afternoon there's not thousands and thousands represented here. But I saw God show up in a bathroom in a bathtub to a man that I wasn't really sure God had any right or desire to baptize. It, good thing it wasn't up to me. I'm so glad God's God. The helper came. And he was forever changed. I can tell you, he lived in about another five, six years after that, and he was not the same person ever again. Just wasn't the same. Hey, Brad, punch the music list. Hey, hey, let, let me ask you. It's just, it's just us. It's just us. Have you been encountered by the helper? Have you ever cried out and said, oh, God, fill me, baptize me? It's, I understand. It's, I, the holy part or the key part of it was not the bathroom. The key part of it was the desire to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I just thought we have a few minutes before we dismiss. But how about you? Do you need to encounter the Holy Ghost before we leave? I don't want you to stand yet. I just I just I want you to come because what I'm going to do before we're, we're done is I'm going to lay hands on you. I don't know what God might do or may not do. That was his story. But now it's your story. Do you need a helper? Do you need, do you need power from another dimension? Do you, need, do you need some essential equipment? You say, well, I know I have the Holy Spirit. That's great. Sometimes you need refilled in the Holy Spirit. I know I do. And if that's you, in these, these, these moments, why don't we just gather at the altars and just cry out for another filling? Cry out for him to come to us again. How about you? Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now that you just draw people to yourself right now, to this place, that they would come and they would just say, fill me, Lord, baptize me. With your presence. Holy Spirit, these last few minutes are going to be yours as we just tarry in your presence. In Jesus' name. If you just want to present yourself, just use these steps as an altar for filling, refilling, first filling. And we're just going to wait for a moment. You just need to cry out. 
Legacy is a spirit-empowered church. We are unapologetically spirit-filled. Just come and pastor tease down here. You just come and just say, Lord, fill me again. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit again. Fill me up again. Lord, I cry out for a filling. I cry out that you would fill me up with your presence. I need a baptism of fire. I need a fresh fire. I need a fresh endowment, a fresh filling. Lord, I need something to come to me from another direction and another dimension. Oh God, would you open up the heavens and send me a helper? Sometimes that's all you can pray is, Help! Help! Help us! You're essential. You're not optional. Fill your people. Fill them full in Jesus' name. Be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Be filled with His presence. The Helper has come. Helper, come. Helper, come. Fill her Holy Spirit, and help her. Help her, Lord. Help this woman. Fill her up again in the name of Jesus. Refuel her. Refire her. Fill us. Fill us, Lord. Fill her up in the name of Jesus. Paraclete. Paracletos. Come be the advocate. Come be the counselor. Come be the one who comes alongside. Be the comforter. Be the consoler. Be the lawyer. The helper. Fill. 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 In the name of Jesus, fill. Hallelujah. Fill your people again. Fill your people. Helper. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Fill her up, Lord. Strengthen this, this mortal body. With the power of the Holy Spirit. Do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Intercede through your people. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We cry out to you, O God. We cry out to you, O oh God, without shame, without regret, 
without embarrassment, we cry out, fill us, O oh God. Fill us, O oh God. Till we're full to overflowing. Come on, bless the Lord. Just begin to thank the Lord, especially if you're down front here. Just begin to thank God. Lord, I thank you for filling me. I thank you for enduing me, for equipping me. I thank you that today I'm declaring your essential equipment in my life. It's to my advantage that I have you. You are my advantage, and I need an advantage. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me an advantage at work. Thank you for giving me an advantage with my household and my family. Thank you for the advantage. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of our God. Fill your people up again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everybody would just stand.